Hey, uh, Rabbi, can you loan me a dollar? I, I kind of live in a cashless society, my friend. I mean, I could give you my debit card. Okay, yeah, you can hit me a Bitcoin or something. I'm asking you for money, man. I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I, I need some help here. Can you do it? Absolutely. Okay, but, but you're going to ask me to have some skin in the game? Well, I mean, you know, if 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 I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy you, uh, you know, a meal, uh, you know, can we eat together? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, it's a relationship. It's about relationship. Let's go have a community meal together. All right. So uh, that was our incredible intro to us discussing and and parsing out what is poverty and how to address poverty and a poverty alleviation. what is relationship in God's community? What does scripture say about this? We're going we're gonna to get knee deep in this today because uh, poverty is always there with us. And from the Christian context, Jesus says the poor will always be with you. Um, and that's also from a rabbinical perspective because Jesus was a rabbi. Um, so we are going to have a lovely, wonderful, very talented, smart guest with us. Um, and her name is Cameron Vivanco, and she lives out in Ecuador. Cameron, uh, are you ready to rock and roll with a priest and a rabbi? I am ready to rock and roll a priest and a rabbi. This is going to be good times. Good times. So she's from Education Equals Hope, and uh, we are going to talk about poverty. What is poverty? Is it just about monetaral, monetaral, m- 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 money poverty? <laughs> or is it also about things like dignity and uh, 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 spirit? Let, well, let's get into that. So we're going to flesh that out. Uh, please like and subscribe and share us on all podcast platforms. Um, we are so grateful that you're here. And we're so grateful for every time you share with someone who would love to hear this kind of content and leave a comment. God bless you and enjoy the podcast. A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Bay Payam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. Good, good morning, everybody out there in Stewart, Florida and around the world. It is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church. And next to me is the best darn good looking rabbi you've ever seen this side of the Jordan River from Temple Bechayam. It is Rabbi Durbin, who's having a great hair day, looking like a superstar, rock star, superhero himself. My brother, how are you, my man? It is so good. To, you know, I just, it warms my heart to see your face every morning. You know, you know, you know, 91, 91 episodes, I, uh, it, it never gets old. What never gets old? You and I never get old. The show never gets old. Your hair never you gets old. You and I, uh, the Jordan River, uh, um, uh, mocking my hair. You know, it never, it never gets old. It well, never. it's not that old because you called me at 10 p.m. last night to hang out. And, uh, you know, I was like, listen, we're, our friendship has, has leveled up. When you can start calling another guy at 10 p.m. at night to be like, hey, dude, do you want to talk? You know, you, you've, 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 we've gone someplace. We're, we're now, we're now like boys. 
we're, we're like boys now. We're not just <laughs> these two clerics who talk. Well, I had this moment last night where I wanted to call you. So, so I thought, okay, it's, it's not yet 10 o'clock. Uh, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the, the Episcopal, like, you know, what that range is. Um, so I figured if I call before 10 o'clock, I, I should be safe. But um, what, what you had told me one time on air, you said on air, you said, Father Christian, I see you panim a panim face to face. And I want you to know that I don't just see you, though, as another colleague. I see you as a friend. And if you call me at two in the morning and you needed help, I would be there for you. So you, you set the stage, man. And I probably will take you up on that at some point. So you better pick up the phone, bro. And uh, I always do. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, we, we, we got We got a very exciting show, uh, a show that most people in Martin County can't believe is even on the radio. Um, program but you know people like evan nine over at uh, wstu uh, sponsor our show which is nice um we we, we we're going to talk about poverty and uh you know what does it mean to really be broke as a joke and with no money like is it when you say that someone's poor that means something different as well for when it went from a rabbinical or a priestly standpoint when you and i say someone is poor does that always mean that they're they don't have any money or could it mean that you really see that they have a poor spirit could it mean that they have a, just a poor sense of humor, you know, like, you know, like Evan, our producer, he has a poor, no, he has a rich sense of humor. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we want to explore all that. And as always on this show, Rabbi, always on the show, we always want to bring on someone who's so much smarter than us, has a tremendous amount of experience in talking about these topics. So today we are bringing on none other than Cameron Vivanco coming in all the way from the Andes Mountains this morning. This is the beauty of Zoom. We're bringing in Cameron Ivanko from Education Equals Hope. She is a missioner out in Ecuador, just changing lives, including her own, through the power of God. And she's going to be on here to talk about what really is poverty. So I think her plane just landed. She's coming in through the, she's coming in through the studio right now. Cameron Ivanko, is that you? It is. Let me put my backpack down. Oh, wow. Her backpack is down. She's ready to roll. She's got a mask on and we're ready to talk. <laughs> so Cameron. Yes, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, so welcome to the show. And this is not your first time on the show, though. It's not. It's not a repeat invite. Thank you so much. You're the only second person in the history of a priest and a rabbi who's been on the show twice. Good job, me. <laughs> So last time we were talking about materialism, this time we're talking about poverty. So there's just something about you that says dollar signs. So we, 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 <laughs> or like um, bling, 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 bling. Cameron, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? Oh, gosh. Um, I am from originally from North Carolina, grew up cradle Episcopalian, <laughs> went and shout out to the University of the South, Swanee, Tennessee. I um, graduated from there and then went to Upper South Carolina and the Episcopal Church where I was a youth minister and a shout out to the Church of the Advent in Spartanburg. It was there that God started messing with my heart to do full-time missions, which I reminded God that I was an Episcopalian and we didn't have missionaries. Right. Um, I apparently was wrong about that. And so in 2002, those of you who are good at math know that was 18 years ago. I landed here in Quito, Ecuador, the capital of this Andean country, um, and have been here uh, since then doing all sorts of things that's evolved. But one of the things that um, 
that I accidentally started with something called Education Equals Hope, which is a micro scholarship program providing for the education of those in desperate and difficult places. So a micro scholarship is anywhere from 10 to 20, $25 a month. And that's the, the little bit that people living in poverty and lower class, that's that little bit of money that they need uh, in order to take advantage of the school system and keep kids in school. This last year, we had 315 kids in school here in the country of Ecuador and just over 2,000 worldwide. We're in five different countries now. So, so you have seen what the effects of are when, when someone, if we look at poverty just as resources, when someone doesn't have money um, in the situations that you see, uh, yep. students can't go to school, even though it's a public offering, explain that to us. Um, well, I'll tell you how it started and, and explain that. Um, being a youth minister at heart, I was in a ministry site and the ministry sites where, where we did work at that time um, were all in very humble neighborhoods, very in, impoverished neighborhoods. And I was friends with a 15 year old girl named Laura Fardinango and she was just super fun. But then one day she, I thought it was teenage depression or angst and um, as her change in attitude continued, found out that it was because she couldn't go back to school. She was 15 and in third grade. Um, and so she was an accelerated program and um, family situation had changed and they weren't, she wasn't able to go to school because there was a lack of money. And I was like, well, how much money do you need? She's like, it's, it's $22 a month. And that amount for her was just overwhelming. And there was no possible way that in her economy, her family's economy, they could come up with $22 a month. And my roommate and I were like, um, I'll do 11 if you do 11. Okay, we just found you $22. Um, and so got her in school and then over and over and over again, saw kids, um, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds, why, why aren't you in school right now? Oh, I didn't have the right shoes. I didn't have the right books. I don't. I couldn't pay the quota for the day of the child. Um, and here in Ecuador, the system is if you don't have what you need, um, if you don't, there are, no, there are no textbooks that are given to you. You have to buy everything. You have to buy the right uniform. You have to buy multiple uniforms to take advantage of the free public schooling. And if you don't have those things, um, then you're not allowed to enter the classroom. So it's not like you can go sit and learn by osmosis until, until you get them. You're just, you're, you're out. And so this little tiny amount is what um, people in extreme poverty and poverty need to, to, to be able to take advantage of the, the assets and the resources that are already around them. Are there, are there other, other, other programs, whether it be, um, you know, community-based programs that are there to support or governmental programs Great question. If we had someone from the Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian government on this show as well, um, they, I'm sure, would say, but we have this and this and this and this. But the reality is in these people's lives, no. Um, Ecuador is a country of just over 16 million people. There are over 20 million people in the state of Florida. So, I mean, we're a small country with very small, incredible resources, natural resources, but economically on the world playing field um, and huge debt as a nation and very little to go around to those in need. And when, when so we there's not like a social security program that's gonna catch them mm -hmm. or food stamps or anything like that. 
Gotcha. So they can't pick up the phone and put an application for some local organization, some local boys and girls club that says, we'll take care of your uniforms. Correct. Okay, cool. Um, so St. Mary's, the church that I'm, uh, I serve, has uh, had a, yeah, right, had a relationship, a started a relationship with Cameron and her team. Um, and what we saw when we went out there recently was that there's, there seems to be a, di- a, bi- a big uh, disparity or just difference in quality of life just in the city of Quito. That if you're in North Quito, it seems almost like a cosmopolitan city that's happening. And, and then if you go just further south, it is night and day where sometimes people are lacking a roof. Um, and so h- how did that come to be? And are you serving people in both North and South? Or are you just mainly focused on the folks who are in South Quito then? Well, um, like any, any city around the world, it's going to be in pockets, right? And it's just different neighborhoods and you can have a rich neighborhood next to a poor neighborhood. Um, and so we do ministry in North and South Quito. We do, uh, the, I guess the t- statistics would show that South Quito is m- more monetarily poor than most of the northern part of Quito, but there are certainly pockets of great poverty in the north as well. And uh, how we started working in the different sites is, is relationships. Some people have heard me say this before, that life is about relationships. And so the places where we work um, have to do where we have longstanding, trustworthy, fruit-bearing, confidence-building. You can test the waters and see what what's going on kind of relationships. So you said the key word, I think before a key phrase that we want to really want to parse out, you said monetarily poor. So you were defining that type of poverty. And so your experience out there, it sounds like in the last 18 years, your mind has definitely expanded or your understanding of what really is poverty. Um, but I think that's okay. it is that, is that for most, I think for most people, uh, uh, you know, around the world, we hear the term poor and we immediately think monetarily and nothing else. It just has to do with finances and money and economics, as opposed to spiritual fulfillment, maybe being spiritually poor, uh, having a deficiency where I feel like I, I, I can't connect to the divine or to God in some way. Maybe my faith is is less rich or maybe even poor. I I, I, I think there's a lot wrapped in just that one term. Absolutely. If I can jump in there, there's a great book, um, When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor by Brian Fickert and Steve Corbett. And um, a lot of the, the, oh, look, Christian has it right in his hands. Um, a lot of their research and a whole bunch of people all together. I was so relieved when I came across the book because it gave words to what I was experiencing and seeing, um, which of course made me then go like, oh yeah, I can get on board with this because it's not like they were teaching me this. I had seen it and lived it. And then the, they give some vocabulary to it. Um, what you guys are talking about um, sometimes is defined as the poverty of condition. It's what historically gets us involved. And we're like, whoa, what happened there? Why don't you have a roof? Why don't you have a floor? Why are there nine people living in a three meter by three meter room? Why don't you have running water? Whoa, this is deplorable. We can't have this. And so that poverty of of condition, which gets our attention, um, is, is real. It's real. And it's very hard to live when you don't have running water or clean water or sanitation or a roof, those things. But the problem is that it ignores the other aspects of poverty um, when we focus simply on the poverty of condition. Um, I can read you a a tiny little excerpt uh, from their book that talks about uh, 
um, they, they pulled dozens of middle to upper class, predominantly Caucasian North American audiences about the very definition of poverty. In the vast majority of cases, these audiences described poverty differently than the poor and low income countries do. While the poor mention having a lack of things, they tend to describe their condition in far more psychological terms. Poor people typically talk in terms of shame, fear, inferiority, powerlessness, humiliation, hopelessness, depression, isolation. North American audiences tend to emphasize the lack of material things, such as food, money, clean water, medicine, housing. But this mismatch between an outsider's perception of poverty and the perception of the poor people themselves have devastating consequences for poverty alleviation. Parse it out. What does that mean? So for po now we get into poverty alleviation, um, and alleviation means that this is more of a long term. We want to make a long term effect here, not like little band aids. And I mean, sometimes you need to do the band aids. You need to hand out meals. Right. You need to do all that. Sure. Um, but if we want to alleviate, um, why does this 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 mis misunderstanding of the word poverty or how people perceive poverty affect alleviation, poverty alleviation? Can you give us an example of that? Sure. Um, so you see, uh, we're wired for a relationship. I'm going to say that about 100 more times <laughs> while we're on here. And that initial relationship um, with our creator, um, with ourselves, with others, with all of creation, those four key areas of relationship, we're, we're wired for a relationship. And in, um, and in the, the Christian theology, creation, God, created and then there was the fall um, in the garden of eden and genesis or however you want to define that fall and then we're in the process of redemption um, and so that that's pretty universal in the judeo-christian um, theology but as we're working towards that um, redemption that reconciliation of those four relationships um, we are looking at at restoring those those four relationships so that poverty of condition is pretty easy to identify but the other ones that broken relationship with self that broken relationship with other that broken relationship with creation um, are not as easy to identify um, and it it gets really frustrating when you're doing like hey i'm supposed to go love my neighbor as myself but i i they're begging on the same street corner every day. And I gave them a dollar. I gave them a meal. Like, why isn't it helping? Or why, like, why do we have to do the angel tree every year at Christmas and give presents to these kids? Like, why are, why are these situations not getting any better? And this, this thought of, of looking at all the aspects of poverty is because in something like that, it's looking at just the poverty of condition why is this situation, this condition not getting better when we're meeting the need? You need furniture, we gave you furniture. You need water, we helped you dig a well. We, But the other parts, the poverty of being, that broken relationship <clears throat> with self, um, Robert Chambers called it the marred identity. Um, poor people see themselves as less than, not as valuable, because they've generally been been told that in all sorts of ways their whole life. Um, that whether that's um, 
through North American materialism and marketing and they don't have this and they don't have that or just in the slight um, in the slight messages that are sent throughout their lives of you are not as important than you are not as valuable than when you look at um, at advertising you never see someone that you rarely see someone that looks like you those things are starting to change right right now but all of those really small pieces of information that children and, and adults absorb. Um, when we come in and just do for people, we reinforce the mentality that they're not capable and they can't do, they can't do for themselves when we're always doing for them. And that leads to the, the third aspect of poverty of um, a poverty of purpose or poverty of responsibility. Um, this, gets into some stewardship issues and creation issues, but um, God created us for his glory and for our good. And when we, um, when we take the role of somebody else, we take away their sense of responsibility, um, then, then we're adding to their poverty. And it's a, there's a concept called the web of poverty. There are all these things that keep someone down. It's not just a lack of food. It's a lack of transportation. It's a lack of mental health care. It's a lack of medical health care. It's a, all these things combine and make a web that's really, really challenging, really hard to get out of. Um, had, have I answered your question? Does that make sense? We're just, you're just on a roll here and you're, <laughs> You're Damian Lillard last night in the Trailblazers game, and you're shooting threes from half court. So why would we want to stop greatness? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, 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 so there's, but you, you left us hanging. There's a fourth one. So you, you, you've been doing real well, right? So you got, you got condition, being, purpose. Do we got another one? Or then those are the well, three. You're right, and you're right in the fact that there are four relationships that you were trying to. Um, trying to mend the relationship with God, the relationship with self, the relationship with others and the relationship with all of creation. But those kind of get boiled down into these three, these three buckets three. of poverty, poverty of condition, poverty of being and poverty of purpose or responsibility. Yeah. You, you, know, you mentioned the, the angel tree and um, how, how our church for many years have been doing the angel tree and really what it was was people in our parish who were very excited and wanting to because they're lovely people who want to do phenomenal things and they're, yes. they're great people and there would be like wish lists that were taken from folks in more marginalized communities who didn't have a lot of resources and they would put in this wish list and then folks who get so excited around christmas to buy i mean and they, and they wouldn't just buy them a bike they buy them like the best bike and so these kids would come in around the week before Christmas and come in to receive it. And we have a Santa Claus there and they just be given these gifts. And, uh, you know, the first year everyone gets excited. The second year gets everyone excited. But then to your point, the third year people start saying, you know, these people are just not grateful. They just come in, grab these gifts, go away. And I know it's the same people, the same people keep on back. Right. And, and then, and then there's something switched and where we're just like, wait a minute. We're, we're part of it. We're, we're, we're the problem. We're, we're just creating this transactional sort of like offering of, yep. of love. And, and it's, and if there's no relationship at all, and I think this is when father Todd came in and said, this, this is not working. This is so relational and it's creating a negativity. 
people are starting to misunderstand, to your point, misunderstand what, what really is poverty. And we're part of it. We're not empowering. We're not forming a relationship. We're taking away people's uh, being because it's, there's, there's a shame that you have to just rely on us to give you gifts, a purpose for you to be able to provide gifts for your own children. We're just going to give them to you. Um, and so we scrapped the whole thing. And now it's more or less gifts. It's more about getting together, reading Christmas stories together. Uh, we make it more bilingual. Um, there's relationship that started over a period of three days. We're not there yet, but it's, it's definitely different. I mean, we can now walk into different neighborhoods and be like, hey, what's up, man? And they know me and I know you. And we're just starting to build a relationship and see where God takes us. Which, which is huge. There is a way to salvage the, um, the Christmas angel concept because people are the material wealthy in the United States, it's something that I am so appreciative of and am in awe of. The rest of the world does not have, uh, that's an incredibly <laughs> broad blanket statement. Much of the rest of the world does not have the same um, spirit of generosity that uh, North Americans, United Statesans have. I mean, it's a part of our culture to care and to share and to raise money and be philanthropic. And, and that's, and that's a really, it's not entirely unique, but fairly unique to, to North America. And it is mm. a beautiful part of our culture, but when we put it into a system where it gets misused or abused, then you have people getting frustrated that people aren't being excited and we're doing more harm than good by usurping responsibilities and roles that um, that belong to someone else. That, again, that poverty of, of responsibility. For example, um, there's another author. Oh gosh, what's his name? Lupton. I've got his book somewhere. Anyway, it's Toxic Charity and Detoxing Charity. His name is Robert Lupton. Um, but he talks about... Um, we all want a sense of ownership, right? North Americans, especially kind of maybe the audience or we're talking to this morning, how hard is it to accept help? It's so hard. We're like, no, no, I don't want to put anyone out. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I don't want to, no one has to help me. We have this pride in it and it's super uncomfortable, but we love to help other people. But if no one lets us help, like if we give, 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 if there's no one to receive, then we can't give. And, and we've kind of become uh, giving snobs. Like we want to give, but we don't want anyone to give to us. And if you, if you don't receive, no one can give. And so we've set up this, this benevolent oppression, this down, downhill power cycle of usurping other people's roles because we have great intentions. We wanna do something that's helpful and good for these people, but everyone wants to do something that's helpful and good unless they have been caught in a system that's taught them and, and trained them to have an entitled attitude. So how to, how to change that, that giving and receiving. And I can tell you some ideas of how to make that angel tree work in a, in a way that would be mutually blessing and beneficial um, and take advantage of the, the beauty of the generosity of the American people and, um, and respect the dignity of every human being and the fact that we are all here for God's glory and our good. Yeah, this is good. So we're gonna let that sit for a second and uh, take a break to hear from the benevolent people who allow this show to happen. 
um, and we will gladly receive more benevolence to allow the show to continue to happen. So if you do, <laughs> you, you can just email us at yourfavoritechristian at gmail.com. But in the meantime, listen to our sponsors and uh, check out our podcast as well and subscribe. We're going to take a quick break to allow Cameron to get some uh, fresh air from the Andes. And we're going to continue on with part two of A Priest and Rabbi here with Cameron Vivanco from Education Equals Hope in Quito, Ecuador. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And I want to let you know that I have started a YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time, and you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right, all right, yes. You're probably the most offensive, obnoxious music you've heard on 1450 all day today. First you get Rush Limbaugh, and then you get a priest and a rabbi. So check it out. We are back in part two 
and you have Father Christian, Rabbi Durbin. Rabbi Durbin, you were kind of quiet this first half. What's going on? Is your is your beautiful hair day just kind of making you quiet and want to just look in the mirror and just enjoy the beauty or, or what? Is it, it's kind of hard being that handsome, huh? It is, it is, it is, it is tough being this ridiculously. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm just kind of soaking it in. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I think what we've been discussing today um, that as we know, you know, that knows no bounds. I mean, it is, it is in every faith. It is in every country in every region in every place um, and how we define it. I mean, as Jews, you know, we have this understanding, um, almost like this unwritten understanding that in Hebrew says, kol Israel avarim that all Israel is responsible for one another. We take care of, of ourselves, uh, as well as others in our midst. Um, and, you know, interesting looking at this concept of, 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 of poverty, you know, in Hebrew, we have um, a terminology called tzedakah. And tzedakah itself gets, is largely a misnomer because people will translate it as charity. Um, and actually, it's not charity. It's righteousness. It's to be a righteous person. And one way of being righteous is to be able to give with a free and open heart uh, to empower others to uh, sustain themselves. And one, of our, one of our sages uh, by the name of Maimonides um, wrote a, a level of giving, each one higher than the next, almost eight 900 years ago. Um, and each one was, it, it was that way, especially the most important one is to be able to not just give somebody something, but to give them a loan or something where they're able to empower themselves to kind of, um, fend for themselves. Almost like that Russian proverb, don't give a man a fish, give him the tools and the skills so he can kind of fend for himself. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a lot of that kind of, kind of conjuring up in my, in, within me and certainly within Judaism. Um, and it's interesting to put it in a you know, South American context of looking at Ecuador and you know, some of the, some of the um, challenges that Ecuador faces, as well as you know, obviously internationally, and also how we define that term. Because I think sometimes we only see it through one way and it's very difficult to see it uh, you know, from, 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 from uh, you know, different angles or different, different, di- di- other different vantage points where it does not, you know, where, where it goes outside the box of the realm of economics or finances or monetary, uh, you know, stuff that, you know, we're looking at, you know, human capital of, you know, what does it mean to be poor? Can I be poor of heart? Can I be poor of mind? Can I be poor of faith? Can I be, can I be, uh, you know, uh, uh, rich in, in, in what I have? And although it may not be much, um, it's what I can call my own. Yeah. And, 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 and this is great. And I think that, well, Cameron, you left off on the in the first half of the show is this idea of receiving and just a mon- receiving resources. Sure, sometimes we struggle to say, "Hey, I, I need help." As North Americans, um, we like to give; we don't like to receive. And I wonder I, now that I'm thinking about it as a priest, whenever we have like we have a thing called Stephen Ministry. So Stephen Ministry is this wonderful ministry that's been around. I think now it's international, but it's this idea of you raise up these 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 trained leaders who go through all this training so they can walk beside you and in the christian context be like brothers and sisters in christ who just listen with you when you're in a very vulnerable chaotic time but it takes the first step for you as the person to say i need i need help and i need you to just listen to me and i need i'm in a vulnerable position uh, emotionally so you could say that there's a poverty of of spirit or a poverty of 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 emotional wealth there's something that's going on but we have all these things set up so no one knows about it. It's like almost anonymity. You know, there's confidence that said, you know, because to ask for that kind of help is sort of taboo almost. 
right? Where in the church would be the place where we always talk about it's the it's a hospital for sinners, right? Not, not a hotel for saints. It's okay to come in and say, listen, I'm broken. I am broke. I'm broken in spirit. I'm broken in mind. I'm broken in emotion. And, and I want to be filled. I want to be filled with the spirit. And if you want to walk with me on this, great. And so it's a, it's a big walk, even in our faith, uh, to, 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 to say, yes, help me receive, give me, this, this is what I need. Um, so let's get back to that, that idea of, of receiving, Cameron, and how that can affect the way that we look at um, just the way we, we, we take on charity, right? So you, you said you were using the angel tree thing as an example. Here you have one where we like to give, 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 but in that giving, we might miss a couple points where we could be forming a relationship and maybe might be demeaning folks or not get, you know shaming them in some way. So, And people who are giving that? have they're good, wonderful people who are doing Absolutely. their very best. And, and it's only uh, maybe because they haven't been taught. They, ha- they haven't, they can see that the system's broken. I mean, you yourself said after three years, hey, this isn't working. This isn't what we were hoping for. But what is the part that we're missing? And it is that authentic relationship. We are built and designed for relationship and how <clears throat> how to repair those relationships. So um the dignity of every person on this planet. We were all born with a point and a purpose. And some people are raised in conditions and situations where that is instilled in them and they're given every opportunity to grow and to fail forward. And other people are born into situations where from a very early age, they are taught that they can't do anything. They, they're worthless. They have no point and purpose. And talk about a, a poverty of self. When you grow up with that, that concept that you are less than the people that you see on TV, you're less than the people you read about on social media, um, that you can't do anything for yourself. And that's where that poverty of purpose or that poverty of responsibility comes in. Um, we, now there's, I'm going to back up real quick and just make sure that we're all on the same page. In poverty, allevi- poverty alleviation, there are three phases of it or three different buckets. The first is crisis, um, uh, crisis or relief efforts. So a relief effort when crisis happens, there's relief, there's rehabilitation, and there's development. Most of what we're talking about today um, has the most to do with that third one development. How do we help people who were born into a family that makes a dollar a day, no matter how hard they work, how do we help them reach their God given potential for God's glory and for their good? Um, we're talking about that development part. We're not talking about relief work and when crisis, and this is an interesting time to have this, this show and this conversation because the whole world is in crisis right now. It's an unprecedented time and at least most of our lifetimes to ever see anything like this. And we are seeing crisis in incredible ways. And crisis is, you know, things that need immediate attention when there's a, it's a hurricane, it's a tsunami, it's a pandemic. It's, you know, you could have a crisis in your family, death, tragedy, but responding to crisis, um, you want to stop the downward spiral and stop the pain. It should be immediate. Here is food. Here is water. Here is temporary shelter. These are, these are wonderful, wonderful gifts in times of crisis. But it's when we use that, that, that relief mentality um, 
in when we should be using a development mentality that we get in a lot of trouble. So that angel tree, um, to just bestow somebody a bike, that's wonderful, especially if their bike got destroyed and they're in a, a crisis and they need transportation, great, give them a bike. But when just that gift giving um, is, not, is, is not good development work, um, what would make it good development work is if <clears throat> there was an angel tree or wish list that people went and got these really awesome toys and bikes and stuff, but then shut, set up a thrift shop in the parish hall that families could come shopping for what their child needs and that they have skin in the game of they have that sense of I provided for my family. I provided for my child and we're not usurping their role as a parent or a caregiver. Yes, they cannot afford a 200, $800 bike, but they can afford something or they can work at the church or they can, there are all sorts of models and ways to empower. The same thing happens with food pantries right now. We're in crisis, giving away food, two thumbs up. <laughs> But when we are working for poverty alleviation and development, just giving away food over and 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 over again, where is that person going to feel like they have any skin in the game? Can you set up the food pantry so they come work the pantry? Can you set it up so that that it's a it's a give and take that they and recognize that they have gifts and talents and they have something to give? And, and they don't have to be just on the receiving end. Does that, does that make sense? No way. I'm not buying it. Yeah, <laughs> this is fantastic. No, you're, you know, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's always, I hear that term a lot is, is there just my boss was telling me I was going to help someone um, even with medical bills and, and, and they were going to be consistent medical bills. And he was just going to say, just, just what we want to do, though, is make sure they have skin in the game, right? So this is going to be a consistent relationship. That but it's an empowerment issue. It's an empowerment thing to, to, to make somebody feel valued. I'm not going to give you a handout. At the end of the day, work for it. And, I, and, also and, and I, know that sounds, I know that sounds harsh, but I think that there's something there also of, there, there's something endearing there. There's something about love. I'm giving you something. Just have buy-in. If you yeah. are excited about it. Uh, and we have to do that in a way that is, is not like an overseer, like mm. sending their employees. Like we're not trying to make people jump through hoops. It's about, again, it's about authentic relationships and you cannot have an authentic relationship with someone who you're trying to get something from. So if you set yourselves up as the haves and we're going to dole this out to the have nots, um, and then, you know, like, are you behaving correctly? Are you doing, are you, are you checking all these boxes so that then you can earn this, that, that again is taking it and, and perverting what the, the goal would be is that, that is, we're really in relationship with people. Um, and it's messy and that's why it's time consuming. And that's why we don't do it. Cause who has time to, who has time to do that and get involved in people's personal lives and, all the we've got enough problems of our own so how how are we supposed to take on anyone else's like i i just want to be clear that i understand that this is a hard ask yeah. but if our goal is poverty alleviation if our goal is to love others as christ has loved us i'm i'm 
if we're going towards this goal, it's, it's not as easy as checking a box or sending a check. Yeah. It just, uh, it remind me of the, of the example that Corbett uses in his book of, um, I think, I think it was a church or an organization that looked and saw that there was a neighborhood that desperately needed housing and they needed to provide housing for, uh, for, for this community. And, but they, they really walked the walk that you're talking about. And after I think three years, all they had to show for it was one house, one house. Uh, is that effective and efficient? No, but is absolutely it, not. Is it going to go the long distance? I'll let you finish the story. Uh, right, yeah, because they they what they did is they sat in the community and built relationship with folks, and they sat there first with the with the money the investors gave them was to just form relationships and have cookouts and gatherings and say let's get to know you and be a part of you and we're all in this together and then figure out what do you need and how do you want to do this. And then do you want to be in leadership and be a part of this? And let's work with Habitat for Humanity. And then you'll be a part of this as well. And people have skin in the game and people have a voice and people take leadership positions and they start to form committees and teams. And, and really then the folks who had the original idea from the Christian organization could start to back away. And now the community owns it, builds a home, and now you have the leadership and the ownership and the you know, everyone's spirit is high and they're feeling like we can do this. And now, now you can start to build a community. Uh, but if you look on for what, what you're going to be turning into your investors, like, what did you get back after three years of investing in us as this ministry? <laughs> can you get back? You just got what appears on paper is just one house. Right. When really what you did is that you built a community. You really taught a lot of people how to fish and empowered them. You gave them dignity. Um, you formed Christian relationship. Now you have this wonderful relationship that's there. And, and everyone got transformed in, in it, you know, throughout it. But uh, yeah, you're right. But it, it is, I'm sure it, it was com complex at first. I'm sure it was really messy. There's probably miscommunication that happens. There's cultural differences. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's just just short term mission. You see this all the time, Cameron. You are constantly. If it's if it wasn't for COVID, you would be just having teams rained upon you right now, constantly from all over North America, coming to do good work. And each time, though, there's sometimes there's cultural clashes, there's community <clears throat> clashes, there's understanding of poverty clashes, uh, and um, it is. It's not. Sometimes it's very clunky and and messy. Uh, but what comes out on the other end, even in two short weeks, I know with even our team, our, our hearts were erupted um, and our perceptions were, were beginning to just just really start to open up and re-understand what God's community looks like um, yep. through, through relationship, through relationship. Um, so, Rabbi, I'm curious, you know, this, this, the, you know, the Jew, when I, when I, when I was in the Holy Land, what always blew me away is that, that it just really did seem like that talking to other people who are citizens there is that everyone really does take care of I mean, there's It's a tight knit community. And if you show up here and you, you agree to come from whatever country you're at and come to Israel, you're going to be taken care of. Um, and there's this groupistic mentality, a collectivist mentality. Um, and in that, do you see that it's, it's, we have this group, we're all looking out for each other, that it's okay to ask for help and to be the receiver of help. Or is everyone really looking to, because you've got a lot of people come from Europe, from North America, from all over the place. That idea of receiving that Cameron was talking about before, what is that like in a, in a collectivist society like that, as opposed to an individual society like North America? I, I, I think pride is always going to um, factor in, in any society, in any culture, in any, any, any group of people. I mean, pride is pride, right? I, I, you know, am I 
am I able and, and, and willing to ask for help? Because if I ask for help, it shows that I'm deficient in some way or I just don't have um, and the ability that I need the assistance of others. I mean, you know, a state like Israel, I think Israel has always had this mentality um, that we take care of one another um, and all in our midst. You know, I remember, I remember one, of the, one of the first Fridays, it was the first Friday that I was you know, settled in Jerusalem and I was sitting by myself. I kind of like the social isolation by myself for that moment, <clears throat> eating a slice of pizza. And you know, somebody came up to me and said, do you have a place for Shabbat? This is two o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Shabbat comes in that night. And, and it was that understanding of, if you don't, I will feed you. Come to my house, mm. right? And I think that, that that's always been from, uh, from, from, you know, from an Israeli perspective of, of, of Israel. You know, I may not have much, but you are welcome to what I have. Mm. Now, granted, not every person, like every person in the world, subscribes to it. But I think that that's generally like the heart of the Jew is I may I may have much. I may have very little. And if I do have very little, let me share that very little with you. And if it means that I don't eat so that you can eat, what a gift that is to be able to give to you. I think that's, you know, I think I think we're, we're very privileged and very um, and very blessed in North America to have institutions and have organizations like startups and from the ground up that say, we want to alleviate, you know, feeding America or, you know, all of the, the food pantries and all these things that people start because they see and they recognize a need and the ability that it's not self-serving. It's about others. And it's about that if I can create that, that ray of sunshine in someone's darkness, you know what? I don't need the accolade. I don't need, uh, you know, the, the, the gratification. The gratification in and of itself is knowing that I've made a difference. And I think America and North America has done reasonably well with it. Um, but, but it's, it's, you know, we live in this planet altogether and, and how do we, you know, I think, I think, you know, Cameron hearing about some of the work that you do, which is, which is amazing. You know, there's a part that says for most of our listeners, never heard of it. How do we hear more about these, these organizations that can really help and empower and, you know, how can we provide, how can we, if I can't give money, can I give my time? Can I give, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, something of myself, if, 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 if I can do that to be able to, you know, make a difference. Yeah, we certainly, we, you, you can certainly give to us. That would be great. Thank you so much. <laughs> and what would that look like though? If so, so if someone wanted to go, so if someone's like, you know what, this Cameron, this Cameron gal's onto something here. I really like how she talks. She's, I've never really heard someone who's doing the good work um, with the, with these she, she's got a, she's got a real big perspective here on things and it's grounded in her face. Um, so if they wanted to become a partner with education equals hope, what would that look like? Um, well, thank you for that. Yes. I will walk through that. You like that? that was a softball. If I ever that saw was, Thank you very much. Um, www.educationequalshope.org is our website. You can go there and donate. Um, finances obviously are incredibly uh, helpful. Um, we the way we do our our micro scholarship program is is through local ministries um, with people on the ground who know the exact community and know exactly what Juan needs or what Sally needs or um, so it's really uh, how God has set this up is mind blowing 
because it's just so great in the fact that it's not a blanket policy. It's we can actually meet the exact need of each individual student and, and their family in that. So to just go to educationequalshope.org. Um, again, we're in Ecuador. We're in Haiti. We're in Rwanda, Costa Rica, and Kenya. Those are the countries we're in right now. We're open to all sorts of other partnerships. Really, our goal, our mission um, is to do the back office stuff, to resource the people in the front lines doing this kind of ministry all over the world. And I know so many people who, who want to do something good. They just don't really know where exactly or how. Um, we can certainly put that to good use. Um, we have what we call vision teams whenever whenever it is <laughs> that international travel becomes a thing again and you don't have to quarantine uh, right now it's law that it, any traveler coming into the country must quarantine for two weeks so if you've got three weeks we'll let you quarantine for two and put you to work for one um, but we in normal times we have vision teams that come down that go to ministry sites they get to meet students and families hear what god is doing in their midst receive from what these these life experiences have been for these families be taught, but then they also, we want to take advantage of whatever gifts and talents God brings in the door from lawyers to doctors, to secretaries, to uh, ad administrators and organizers and teachers and pretty much anything that you do, we can put you to work. So we'd love for you to, to jump on our website and check that out. Yeah. That, that you, do you hear that car alarm? That's that's that. No, I think I thought that was your alarm just waking no, up. No, that's alarm. the national anthem of Ecuador. That's <laughs> your joke. Car alarms go off all the time. That's in our neighbor's garage. Well, I can tell you that uh, our church, St. Mary's, has just been uh, really blessed to be a part and work and partner with Education Equals Hope. We sent a team out there uh, last year and um, just what it erupted, the spirit that erupted in um, our youth and, our, and the adults, including myself, how really, uh, uh, how God has come alive to really open our minds and our hearts of how to look at things like poverty, how to understand poverty, how to understand the poverty within our own hearts uh, as well, um, how to see relationship and how relationship community is the key to everything, walking to shoulder to shoulder with someone um, and, and looking to quote my wonderful, handsome rabbi, looking panim a panim, uh, just face to face and not looking down at someone is really what, what I think we learn the most is that when you go to serve and to be with a community, you look face to face. There's, there's no top down model here. And when we, when we join with others. So Cameron, um, we are so blessed to have you here. Please everyone go visit education equals hope sponsor a child out there, uh, sponsor a scholarship. It is really around I think, $35 yes, a month, please. right? Like yeah, $39 a month is what we ask. Sometimes I can even sponsor uh, a whole family, two or three students with that $39 a month. That all depends on their individual needs, but it's a really um, reasonable, a reasonable for most people in our, in our coterie, it's a reasonable amount and it really changes the life of a child, a family, their whole direction. And um, it's just an amazing opportunity. So we'd love for you to, to join us. If you want to hear more of uh, Cameron, she will be preaching. This weekend at all four services at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. So you can check it out at the website, St. Mary's-Stewart.org or on all the social platforms. Um, but, but check it out. So Cameron, God bless you. Thank you so much. I know the Ecuadorian National Anthem is playing in the background, which means you need to go and salute. So um, we're grateful. Give our <laughs> Thank you, guys. Family. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Thank you very much, Father Christian. It's been great to be with you. All right, Cameron. God bless you. So Rabbi, uh, what do you got going on this weekend over at the temple? So... Um, Tonight, I'm doing a little chicken dinner via Zoom. 
to the community. We, we've, we've, Zoom chicken uh, dinners are huge in the Jewish faith. They right? are hard, look, if you can't have baked chicken, uh, what, what, what do you have? Uh, we're doing a little, uh, a little, a little birthday Zoom. My birthday's on Monday. Um, the community thought it'd be a nice way to, you know, we have about fifty chicken dinners, and uh, we pack them up and and give them to people to have um, dinner for Shabbat dinner tonight. Shut uh, and, up! And to join me, to join me on uh, uh, Zoom for tonight. But uh, we got services tonight. Um, my brother's getting married on Sunday in New York City, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited to try and get that. We're gonna do it via Zoom, and uh, you're not gonna go. Sorry? You're not going to go to your brother's wedding? I can't leave. I can't leave the state. Then you can. Nobody. It's all by a suit. Oh, okay. All the right. The beauty of technology. Well, it's a beautiful weekend, brother. Prayers and blessings to you and your family, to your brother. Uh, and um, do I say L'chaim? What do I say? What's like, yeah, L'chaim to life. To life. L'chaim to life. Uh, well, God bless you, man. We will see you all uh, next Friday here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Also, you can catch always us on the podcast. So go to a podcast anywhere you see podcasts, like it, share it, subscribe it. Even if you think we're ridiculous and you hate us, you leaving a comment actually helps your analytics. So like Cardi B said, even you haters make me get better. So we love you all. We'll see you here next Friday on A Priest and a Rabbi.